greater. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1. Notice what Scripture says here once again. In the beginning, God. If I stopped right there and quoted nothing else, no other Scripture, no other portions of Scripture tonight, we could go away saying that we have heard and we have seen all that we need to hear and we need to see. Because in the beginning, God. It is God. God is the one truly that is greater than all. He is the beginning. He is the end. We know that as God created the heavens and the earth, and God began to then create all that is within the heavens and the earth, that of course Adam and Eve, created by God, put in the Garden of Eden, chose to sin. They chose to disobey God, and they chose to disobey His commands. Death and suffering began. In fact, the suffering began in such a way that the first two sons born, Cain and Abel, would have a battle, if we could put it that way. Cain, despising God, rejecting his offering, would go against Abel, and as we know, slew Abel, and tried to hide it, tried to cover it up. We know the story how Cain would then be evicted if we can put it that way separated if we could state it that way from yea his family a mark would be set upon him death and suffering began in the world in genesis chapter 4 verse number 25 we see an adam knew his wife again and she bare a son and called his name seth For God, said she, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. Can I use just a little bit of of my thinking into this portion of Scripture? In that as Cain was separated from his Uh, parents and there was truly a mark of bitterness and truly there was even resentment and rebellion there and Seth and even Enos seeing what that was doing seeing the suffering and the difficulties and all that was going on the sin that was entering into that side of the family something settled in Seth something settled in Enos something began to resonate in their heart and life they saw the rebellion they saw the hurt in their parents they saw what was going on in the family and they decided that there had to be something greater something stronger something mightier than sin that was leading Cain a direction he ought not to go and they decided that that greater uh, that 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 one that is greater is none other than God himself and truly they chose to choose God they saw what sin could do and they chose someone greater and his name was the Lord God Genesis chapter 5 and verse number 21 we see a story of Enoch. Enoch lived 60 and 5 years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God. 
after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and 5. And Enoch walked with God. The Bible teaches us that Enoch chose to walk with God. Enoch so chose or saw what sin was doing. He saw the wickedness of man was growing. He saw the sinfulness. He saw the pride. He saw the depravity of their hearts. He saw what destruction pride can do and the poison of bitterness in their uh, in, uh, uh, in his life. Uh, uh, in families' lives, and he chose, he chose that God is greater, that there is someone greater, there is someone who could heal pride, there is someone who can strip away the poison of bitterness, there is someone who could, uh, 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 who can mend the wounds of the heart, and it wasn't the things in which Cain and his family was going down towards, it was what God and God alone could provide, and Enoch chose that God is greater. Tonight, I want you to hear a message above all others that God is greater tonight. In Genesis chapter 6, look at verse number 5, please, with me. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah could see along with Enoch, along with Seth and Enos, he could see the depravity of man. He could see the wickedness was, uh, of man was great. He knew that there was some uh, judgment that was going to be coming. And the Bible teaches us that Noah chose a greater thing. Noah chose greater, uh, a greater way, and he chose God himself. He chose God. He determined in his heart and life that God is greater in genesis chapter 7 and verse number 15 god prepared noah by allowing uh, by instructing him to build an ark and we know for 120 years he preached righteousness while building the ark in genesis chapter 7 and verse number 15 the bible says they went in unto noah into the ark two and two of all flesh wherein is the breath of life and they that went in, went in, male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased, and bare up the ark, and it was lift up above the earth, and the waters prevailed, and were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went up from the face of the waters. Man mocked God and Noah for a hundred and twenty years. As Noah preached that which is right. And God used that in which men mocked. As Noah talked about rain, water falling from the sky that had never happened to this point, uh, on the earth to this point. They mocked and ridiculed Noah, said he was crazy, said he did not know what he was speaking of. And God used that in which, yea, Noah warned them about, that very thing in which they ridiculed and uh, made fun of, to be their prevailing strength 
God used that simple water to prevail over man, and what they thought they could fight in strength became that in which they succumbed to. The water prevailed. God was greater in Noah's heart and life. And because God was greater, because God was a big God, because God was the God of the impossibilities, because with, all, with God all things are possible, because God was God-sized in Noah's heart and life, there was no limits, there was no, cap- uh, there was no uh, 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 limits to the capabilities and to the potential of God. He decided that, no, that God can and God can do this. He warned me, he said it, and I believe it, and I'm going to trust it, and I'm going to see God work in a way in which only he can. God is greater tonight. Abraham knew the voice of God. In Genesis chapter 12, the Bible teaches us, Now when the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him, and Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. Abraham saw God provide. He saw God being true to his promise. He knew the voice of God. He knew what it was like to listen to his wonderful voice directing and guiding and leading him. He knew what it was like to see the power of God work in his heart, work in his life. He saw God's power and his greatness prevail as he fought kings and won. As he stood before others who were of great stature in that day and age and prevailed. He truly saw God being faithful to his promise over and over and over and over again. He saw God give him a son. He saw God be faithful to all that he had instructed. And he knew God was one that he could trust. He knew that God was the one in whom he could look to and say, I can trust you explicitly. God, I believe you. I believe God. And I know that you are greater than the greatest. You are stronger than the strongest. There is no one like God. My friends, God is greater tonight. Abraham's faith grew knowing that he truly could trust God and he began to trust him in a way in which would lead him to trust him in a way knowing that he is stronger. God is stronger than death itself. In Genesis chapter 22, God leads Abraham to the top of Mount Moriah to offer his only son as a sacrifice. And in Genesis chapter 22, verse number 1, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham, test, and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and claved the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Understand that this did not happen overnight. Faith, Abraham's faith grew. Abraham's trust in God grew. Abraham's belief in God grew. And as it grew, it came to the point in which when God said, 
Abraham, I want you to offer your son. He trusted God was going to do even the impossible, even if it was resurrecting Isaac, uh, Isaac from the dead. He knew that God was going to be true to his word. He didn't know how, but he knew that God was greater than death itself. He knew that God was greater than the greatest. He knew he could trust God. In verse number 7, notice what the Bible says. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. Abraham knew the mighty power of God. He knew that there was nothing that was too hard for the Lord. He knew that the Lord's hand was not waxed short. He knew that there was nothing too big for God to handle. He knew if God led this direction that he was going to provide. He knew that God was greater. He knew that he could trust God explicitly. He knew that there was nothing beyond the trust of what God, of God. He knew that he could believe God however he led, however he guided. He knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was going to provide and by the way he didn't have genesis chapter 22 to go through he had no idea how the story was going to end we look at that and sometimes we yawn at it and say oh it was just a small story my friends you tried living out that story in real life you tried being a father to your only son i uh, 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 to your only son isaac and leading him up leading him up knowing exactly what you're about to do knowing exactly what god has instructed not knowing how god was going to provide but you were willing to step out by faith and follow god why because god is greater tonight abraham knew the mighty power of god abraham knew and was so confident in it that as god of course miraculously provided a lamb when it came time to provide a wife or to find a spouse for his son in genesis chapter 24 and verse number one notice what the bible says and abraham was old and well stricken in age and the lord had blessed abraham in all things and abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had put i pray thee thy hand under my thigh and i will make thee swear by the lord the god of heaven and the god of earth that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell, but thou shalt go unto my country, unto my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, Peradventure, and notice this statement very closely. I had never noticed this until I was studying for this. Peradventure, notice what he says, the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Don't, remember, don't forget that. We're going to come back to it in just a second. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence thou camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware that thou bring not my son thither again. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and which spake, unto me and that swear unto me saying unto thy seed will i give this land he shall send his angel before thee and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence and notice this statement again if the woman 
will not be willing to follow thee. Then thou shalt be clear from this my oath. Only bring not my son thither again. And, thy, and the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master and swear to him concerning that matter. Did you notice how concisely Abraham and his servant spoke about not if God is going to come through, if God would provide a wife, because they were assured that God had provided a spouse, God had provided a wife for Isaac. They did not give an exception for if God failed, because Abraham and his servant, who knew Abraham's heart, who knew Abraham's motive, knew that God had not failed Abraham. He knew that God had come through time after time after time again. And so the question was not if God fails, but the question was if the woman chooses to reject and rebel. God had imprinted a greatness upon Abraham's heart and life that truly spoke to the heart of Abraham. And it was reflected into a servant, one who worked with Abraham, and Abraham understood. And his servant knew that if God led the direction, God would provide. Others could reject. The woman could reject but they were certain that God had provided and was preparing the heart for Rebecca. And we know the story. God did provide a woman. A woman named Rebecca. And she said yes. Never meeting her husband. <laughs> did not know his personality. Did not know what situation she was walking into. But there was something in her heart that God had prepared. And when the question was posed, should I come? Should you go? She says, I will. Isaac saw the greatness of God, testified among his father, his parents. I love how he gave a blessing. Thinking it was Esau, but of course we know it was Jacob. But the blessing in which he gave Jacob, notice his words as Isaac could give testimony to the greatness of God. In Genesis 27, verse number, 20, verse number 27, and he came near and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore, God give thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth. Think about that for just a moment. He was saying, May your harvest, may you be fruitful. Because of well-watered crops, well-watered uh, well livestock, well-truly-nourished by the blessing of God. And the fatness of the earth. He doesn't say of a nation or just a little bit. He says of the earth. He says, may the entire earth give you the fatness thereof. 
plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren, and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. Do you get a picture of the grandeur and of the greatness of God in Isaac's heart and life here? He knew how big God was to his father. He knew how great his uh, uh, God was to Abraham. He understood how big God was in their life. God was not some weak God who could not care for anything or do anything. He was a God who could do the impossible. And he says, just as my father blessed me, I know God is going to bless in a powerful and a mighty way. I know God is going to do this. Jacob recognized the the greatness of God. Jacob, the Bible teaches us in the very next chapter, 28, in verse number 10, And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went unto Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and on the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of, uh, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and of, uh, and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest to thee will I give it and to thy seed and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south and in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest will bring thee again into this land for i will not leave thee until i have done that which i have spoken to thee of and jacob awaked out of his sleep and he said surely the lord is in this place and i knew it not and he was afraid and said how dreadful that word dreadful means and filled with awe and yet with a respecting reverence He said, this is an incredibly awesome, an incredibly reverential place. There is none other but the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Jacob knew that God was great. He knew that God was greater. Jacob grew in faith. We know the story. I won't go through all of it tonight. How God did bless, did give him a family. He came back with two wives, two concubines, 12 sons, and more daughters. And as he traveled back to the land in which God said, I will give you once again, we see in verse number 28 of Genesis 32, and he said, Thy name shall, no, shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. As God wrestling with Jacob in the night, For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. That word power there means persevered. It means endured and hast prevailed. What was God saying here to Jacob in the night as they wrestled one with another? 
God told Jacob there on that night, calling his name now Israel, you have succeeded with what God has given you. And you've endured what man has done unto you. He's saying, you have done what I've asked. You did what I, you did what I required. You've done that which is right. Truly, Jacob grew in faith. Jacob grew in the Lord. He endured what man had done unto him. God then shrank the muscle in his thigh to remind Jacob that God is always greater than he. A constant reminder of that time in which, yea, that would be a testimony of that night of wrestling with God and yet a night in which God would uh, give a great blessing to him as well as remind him of his mighty power. God is greater tonight. Joseph would see the mighty power of God. Of course, Jacob's 11th son. Joseph would see God's power as he was protected, as he was sold into slavery. God gave favor to Joseph in the eyes of Potiphar, and he would be sold to Potiphar. He would then find favor in this household. He would then be found favor even in prison after being falsely accused. He would then find favor once again in the eyes of Pharaoh. He would then see God begin to reunite and preserve this family and yea, even preserve the world through his wisdom and leadership that God would give him. Joseph saw that God had a greater plan that God was greater than what he could ever envision, that God was mightier and stronger. God could put things together like no one else could. And in Genesis chapter 50, verse number 15, upon the death of his father Isaac, or excuse me, Jacob, Israel, and upon the death of Israel, the Bible tells us in verse number 15, and when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us, and will certainly requite us all the evil which we, uh, which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him, and his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. To bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones, and comfort them, and spake friendly unto them. How could Joseph do this? How could Joseph not retaliate when he had a moment to do so? I tell you how he could not retaliate in a moment of... Uh, in this moment because he understood that God's plan was greater he understood that God was greater than he is he understood that God was greater than his uh, than uh 
uh, than his brothers. He understood that God was greater than anyone or anything. He understood that God is greater than all and he could trust him explicitly. Generations passed. God would bring out the children of Israel out of Egypt with a mighty hand. God showed in a, in a way in which truly He had not shown to even the forefathers His great power and might, feeding millions of people, keeping them, keeping them fed, keeping them clothed, keeping their shoes uh, preserved on their feet, keeping the water flowing, all those things in which God provided in such a powerful way, cooling them in the day, warming them at night, and on and on we can go. It is incredible at how God blessed and provided. But watch this. We see a testimony tonight. In Psalm 78, that's convicting. As I read this, I wonder how often I find myself here where the Israelites were. After hearing the testimonies of all that God had done in their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so on. And now seeing it for themselves, God parting the Red Sea, God destroying their enemies, God feeding and caring for them, God lovingly leading them through the wilderness. Then we see in Psalm 78, verse number 10, they kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in His law, forgot His works and His wonders that He had showed them. Marvelous things did He in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through. And He made the waters to stand as in heap in the daytime also he led them with a cloud and all the night with a light of fire. He claved the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out. And the streams overflowed. Can he give, rod, can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth. So a fire was kindled against Jacob and anger also came up against Israel because they believed not in God. Understand every single time that we push it back against what God clearly leads and guides against, what is it? It is a complete and utter denial of our belief in God. It is saying, I do not trust you, God, and I believe you, God. You are not great, as great as you are. You are hindered. You are truly small and punitive. You are not strong enough to handle my needs. 
because they believed not in God, trusted not in His salvation. Though He had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven and rained down manna upon them to eat and had given them of the corn of heaven, man did eat angels' food. He sent them meat to the full. He caused an east wind to blow into heaven, and by his power he brought in the south wind. He rained flesh also upon them as dust and feathered fowls like as the sand of the sea, and he let it fall in the midst of their camp round about their habitations. So they did eat and were well filled, for he gave them their own desire. They were not estranged from their own lust, but while the meat, their meat was yet in their mouths, the wrath of God came upon them and slew the fattest of them, and smote down the chosen men of Israel. For all this they sinned still, and believed not for his wondrous works. Therefore their days did he consume in vanity, and their years in trouble. When he slew them, then they sought him. And they returned and inquired early after God. And they remembered that God was their rock, and the high God their Redeemer. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth, and they lied unto him with their tongues. For their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity, and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time he tur- uh, turned he his anger away, and did not stir up all his wrath. For he remembered that they were but flesh." A wind that passeth away and cometh not again. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God. And notice this phrase, please don't miss it. And limited the Holy One of Israel. Despite all that God had done, all the mighty things in which he had done, all the provision, all the blessings in which they had given them, they chose to not trust, to not believe in what God was doing, to what God could work and what God could do. And they chose to limit, the Bible says, the Holy One of Israel. This word limit is an interesting word. It is used only three times in Scripture. It is used, first of all, in 1 Samuel chapter 21, apart from, of course, Psalms here. In 1 Samuel 21, verse number 13, speaking of David, King, uh, what would be King David running from his father-in-law, King Saul at the time? In verse number 13, notice what it says, And he changed his behavior before them, speaking of the Philistines that he is before and feigned himself mad in their hands, and notice this word, and scrabbled on the doors of the gate. David is fearful for his life because he's in the hand of the Philistines, and, the, and as he goes before uh, the king of Gath, the Bible tells us he scrabbled on the doors. That word scrabbled is the word limit there. That word scrabbled means what it means in Psalm 78, speaking of a striking or a marking marking the doors what did david do he would strike and mark the doors of the gate of gath like he was trying to break them apart like he was trying to inscribe them somehow there was a definitive marks that he was trying to put upon those gates in ezekiel chapter 9 verse number 4 We see the same word here. And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark. There's that same word that we saw in Psalm 78, limit. 
upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. Ezekiel was told to look at all those who were uh, uh, distressed about the sin and the state of the apostate condition of their nation. And those who were distressed, those who were burdened, their hearts were grieved because of what was going on in their nations, Ezekiel was told to put a mark upon their forehead. Go back to Psalm 78. Yea, they turned back, the children of Israel. After seeing all that God had done, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. That word limit there literally means to draw a circle around. In other words, they drew limits. They drew an area around God and said, God can't do anything more than this. God can't provide that way. God can't work in this way. God can't lead that direction. God can't do this. God can't do that. God can't do this. They put limits around God and said, God is smaller than the circle in which man has envisioned for him. You see, God is so punitive in their heart and minds. He was so small and weak in their minds that he was helpless. He was not able or capable of helping them in their time of need. He was truly one who was limited in their heart and life. They had drawn a circles or a boundary or put God in a box, if we can put it that way, and said, God can't work past this. There's nothing God can do in this situation. There's no way out of this. God is in, uh, God has brought us to an end because God cannot deliver us. That was their heart. That was their motive. That was their state of unbelief and distrust in God. They remember not His hand, nor the day when He delivered them from the enemy. They forgot what God could do. They forgot how God provided, how God delivered them from Egypt. They forgot all that had happened. And they came to a place in which God was simply a small God that would fit in their box that they made for Him and said, God can't break out of this. There's nothing He can do. My friends, God is greater than the box in which you can envision God. May I encourage you tonight to not limit the Holy One of Israel. May I encourage you tonight that let God be God tonight. May I encourage you tonight that uh, to uh, lift up your eyes and see the grandeur and the majesty and the strength and the power of a holy God. My friends, if He can break out of the tomb, my friends, He can work in your life tonight. My friends, He can do anything because He is God. He can lead any direction He so chooses. Why? Because He is God and God alone. My friends, He is greater than the greatest tonight. He is God and He is greater than the box that you can build for Him. May I encourage you tonight to lift up your eyes and let God be greater in your heart and mind. For five years, my friends, I've been encouraging and trying to lift up our eyes high and let, us, and let us see God for who He is. My friends, for God is greater than our hearts or minds could ever imagine. He is stronger than we could ever envision. He is God tonight. And let Him be great. In Ephesians chapter 1, 
verse number 17 this evening. We see Paul teaching a church. And as Paul is teaching a church, notice what he says. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of, his glo- of the glory of His inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe according to the, might of the working of His mighty power which He wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come. Stop there for just a moment. Paul had a big God. God was not weak. He was not punitive. He was not one that was struggling to meet Paul's needs. Paul knew how big God was. He knew God is greater than he could ever envision. And we just read a testimonial, if we can put it that way, as he introduces this letter of filled with grace to the church of Ephesus. He's saying, look, God's strength, God's grace is greater than what you could ever envision it being. God can help in ways in which you can never envision. God can work in ways in which you can never dream of. My friends, God is big. As he taught the church of the Ephesians, truly, he was helping them to lift up their eyes to see the greatness and the power and the majesty of a holy and holy a holy and almighty God. But notice how he transitions. And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Which is his body? The fullness of him that filleth all in all. Every Bible preaching, gospel centered, grace driven church tonight is the Lord Jesus Christ. This church is not excluded. Scummersdale Baptist Church has never been, nor will it ever be, James Mansfield's church, or Justin Williams' church, or fill-in-the-blank church. It never has, and it never will be. I've been very careful to how I've called and talked about our church and i use that word hour on purpose for i've tried to stay away from that if you pay attention you may have noticed over these last five years that as i talk about this church i talk about it in such a way in which it's god's church it's the lord's church 
I refer to it as Christ. Because it is Christ's church. This church tonight is not my church. It's not your church. It's not our church. It's the Lord Jesus Christ's church. And if it's the Lord Jesus Christ church, that means, my friends, that He is the great God who can truly provide and meet needs. I understand that there is a little bit of intrepidation, if we can put it that way, of what might happen and the pastoral change. But my friends, fear not, for we have a God that is greater than man. My friends, this has never been about who stands behind this pulpit. It's always about who is preached behind this pulpit. The Lord Jesus Christ, as long as the gospel is preached, my friends, God can truly work in mighty ways. My friends, it's time we get the vision of what God himself has tried to show through those men of old as he tried to show to Adam and to Seth, to Enos and to Enoch, to Abraham, to Isaac, Jacob, Joseph and many others, his greatness and his glory and his majesty and his strength in so many ways. My friends, it's a sampling of what God can do. God can divide the waters. He can... He can move, He can work, and He can keep this church going forward for the cause of Christ. My friends, my heart truly for this past five years has been to encourage you to to understand that God is greater than man. God is greater than anything that you can envision. He's bigger than any box that you can envision. Stop putting God in a box and let Him be God tonight. It's time tonight. We let God be God. And let him be strong tonight. God is greater. I love what John said. As John the Baptist looked at Jesus Christ and said, He must increase, but I must decrease. Wise words. Tonight. Would you increase the stature of Jesus Christ in your heart and life? Don't limit, your, don't limit God's greatness to any man. No man. I don't care who it is. Don't limit it to the greatness or join it to the greatness of any man. Look higher. Because God is bigger than any man. He is God. I could leave on any one message tonight I want you to have it impregnated in your heart and mind that God is greater no matter what need you have tonight no matter what concern no matter what struggle you're dealing with tonight God is greater than all of those He's greater than your burden He's greater than your addiction He's greater than the sin in which is chaining and ruining and destroying your life tonight he is greater in every way there is nothing tonight that god is not greater than he is greater and i encourage you tonight to look up and see your mighty god trust him believe in him i did not know Six months ago, when we began singing, I believe God, and introduced that theme, that those words would be your test 
and my testimony. But they are tonight. Some watching tonight, and I'm disappointed with those who aren't here this evening. I'm saddened and burdened. May I encourage you, if you're sitting at home, you should be in church tonight. May I encourage you to fall on your knees and to confess that you have a small God. And why don't you pour out your heart and say, God, I'm tired of the small God. I want you to be God-sized in my life. Why don't you tonight repent, turn from your sin of unbelief and trust in God, knowing that as we sing, I believe God, that we are trying to be true to those words in which we sing. Let's believe him tonight. He is God. There's no one greater. He is God.